Absolute pleasure to be joined by Clem Morfuni on uh, the back peg this week, talking about um, Swindon Town's potential establishment of an academy here in Australia as well. Nathan, that was uh, really insightful. And who would have guessed that a plumber from Sydney would be owning Swindon Town FC? Yeah, it's an amazing story. And really appreciate Clem going into detail about how he came into contact with the owners, the two-and-a-half-year court battle, mm-hmm. which was fascinating to, to listen to and really appreciate how difficult it can be mm. in football administration to get something done because we all think, oh, it can't be too bad. But there in the flesh, we saw, we heard that eh, it's got its challenges. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. It sure does. And um, look, uh, Clem's an absolute uh, legend of a guy. Uh, like like we said uh, in the early part of the uh, discussion that uh, we played football against each other at over 35s level, I could tell you, mate, he was uh, a very, very formidable opponent at that time. <laughs> and uh, if, if, you know, and obviously being a successful businessman, calls himself a player, but he's, you know, a successful businessman and um, uh, with uh, in- international companies. So uh, great to have that kind of uh, person involved in football and the fact that um, um, that, football operators here in Australia have reached out to him and, and want to um, speak to him and, and try and engage um, and interact with him and learn from him. So and there's plenty of lessons, like you said, Nathan, to take away from uh, his ownership uh, experience. And I think we need to, um, as a game, need to call on that more. Yeah, I think so. Everyone's got their opinions on how football should be run in this country, but when you can draw on the experience of someone who's done it in the really the toughest football market in the world, potentially, Correct. the lower leagues of England, there's surely plenty to be gained and plenty to be learned from for football in this country. So great to have Clem on, as we've been saying. He's a great character. But Laz, I think talking about Swindon and mm-hmm. the lower leagues is a good segue to uh, this weekend's player finals. I was going to ask him at one point, but I was conscious of the time. But geez, I'll tell you what, the playoffs, the promotion playoffs, England have got it right. I think I'll, I'm going to make it a bucket list to actually go to England and go for the playoff promotion weekend. And the quality of football may not be great, but geez, the drama is something else, isn't it? I mean, it was. I watched all three games, and I can tell you, I'm suffering from a lack of sleep. And I think uh, people in my day job are thinking, "What is he doing? <laughs> He's not looking well." <laughs> but I can tell you that it was worth it because I have not seen theatre like that. That was and it was all three games. It was all three of them. Two shootouts and a 123rd minute winner. And I heard something ridiculous earlier today that had and we don't, you know, if you do gamble, gamble responsibly. But you know, um, but there was a um, something ridiculous. The odds for all three games to go to penalties were paying in excess of a hundred dollars or a hundred to one. That almost happened. Wow. Yeah. If it wasn't for the 120 plus injury time winner from who? Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, incredible. incredible. And and that game in particular, look, if, do you want to go through in order chronologically or do you want to go league order? Because I mean, the we're league, about league one. Playoff. So yeah, we'll stick, okay. we'll stick to right. League One at the moment. And Sheffield Wednesday, oh. what a story. I mean, and they. Their whole run. But, and they had several chances to win the game, right? Oh, yeah. And I thought I'm watching it, and I'm going. They're not going to win. It's going to go to penalties, and they're going to and they're going to lose because 
you know, you had the other side having 10, you know, being down to 10 men for a little while, Barnsley, yep. right? You think and, they're just holding out for penalties. And they're taking the game to them. <laughs> they are. They point. were. Yeah. And plenty of question marks over a penalty they should have had when it was 11 v 11. Incredible. That was a 50-50 call. Yeah. And so close. It's a, such a fine margin in football the best of times. But in a one-off game like that, oh. when you have so much on the line, it's just amazing. And you say this last weekend is a bucket list weekend. It is now for me. It is. It is for me. League Has 2 playoff, be. League 1 playoff, Championship playoff, and the last week of the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, there might it, be no better weekend in the calendar. I, I, I think I'd skip the Premier League as much as you know we like it, but I think that that promotion playoff weekend in England is just something that's just special. It's at, and the last weekend that just passed just proves it. That was just insane. Sheffield Wednesday, and I thought when um, Sheffield Wednesday actually scored a, a goal, which was obviously disallowed to offside, I thought, okay, if Barnsley's done now, that's it. But oh my lord, what a game! I mean, it's and look, the quality may not have been the gra- greatest, I grant you. But geez, who cares about the quality when you have that kind of drama? It and it's energy sapping. It's energy sapping. Imagine actually now, and I was thinking when Clem was on, thinking, okay, you're part of this um, setup. Your side might be is in a promotion playoff. You must be so drained by the end of it, and that's what makes the Sheffield Wednesday story so impressive, right? Because at 4-0 in the semi-final at the end of the first leg, for all intents and purposes, they're done. Dusted, no coming back. I mean, 4-0 to come back, oof, right? We saw it. They get back to 4 all in the you know eighth minute of injury time against Alex Ferguson's son. <laughs> so that gives yep. you different, you know. <laughs> unfortunately, he's playing for the sins of the father there, right? But, <laughs> but you know, it gives a different meaning to Fergie time. But... Um, then you know they go up five. You know they go up uh, they five four on aggregate, and Sheffield Wednesday is uh, you know is there, and they take the game to penalties. They score, take the game to penalties, win, um, win at Wembley. Uh, sorry, uh, win through to the final playoff, win at Wembley in the hundred twentieth minute plus injury time. Just insane. But it's amazing. All three games. And all three teams that were on the losing end, there would have been great stories. Be it oh. Stockport County, be it Barnsley, be it Coventry City. I think the three teams that do go up, the three teams that did go up, were the ones that had potentially the better story surrounding mm. them. But really, yeah. that's the magic of the playoffs. That's the magic of a playoff final. Yeah. The richest game in football. Yeah. There has to be a winner, there has to be a loser. But what we do get is just a euphoric, emphatic away end. Yeah. yeah. Or one oh, end of yeah. the ground. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. But as we should also mention, uh, Tom Lockyer as well. Yes, yes. Jeez, that was scary in the first half. Jeez, that was scary. Yeah, and the fact that his father was able to post something on uh, social media to indicate that uh, that he was okay, thankfully, uh, which was which was really good to see. And I saw some footage actually. The Luton Town manager wasn't aware of that. Rob Thomas wasn't aware of that um, post game, uh, and when he found out live on air, he broke down. Oh, so wow. it goes to show the measure of the man. He, you know, that was his first. His actual first thought was, "I'm thinking about um, the player." And when the broadcasters let him know that um, that he was okay, um, yeah, he just uh, he just the emotion took out, you know, took over him. And you can imagine that was an emotion charged day into the evening. There, uh, just incredible. 
you know, the fact that it went to penalties. I thought at one point that penalty shootout wasn't going to end because <laughs> the calibre of penalties, aside oh, from fantastic. the one that missed. Yeah. Yeah, aside from the one that, you know, missed, unfortunately. But Yeah, poor Dabo. You know, incredible, incredible. And Luton Town, Luton Town, Premier League Up club. into the Premier League. Number 51, 51st club to enter the Premier League. And uh, sensational, sensational. Um, You know, 30,000 Luton Town supporters were at Wembley and Kenilworth Road only fits 10. <laughs> what do they do? And it'll be even less next season. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. So it's... It, just um oh, it's just insane right it's just insane but that's the beauty of the english football system it is and it's it's just incredible the away entrance to kenilworth road has gotten so much focus this past week and <laughs> rightly so <laughs> uh yeah and, i can stop at mavis's for a cup of tea on the way in yep <laughs> and uh mind the dog shit on the way through <laughs> oh yeah yeah, but uh, yeah, like leave it outside or wipe your feet before you go in the house, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> but it's it's amazing. And we have teams like Bournemouth and Luton and Brentford and Brighton, teams that have been in the lower leagues in the English system not too long ago. And they've climbed the mountain. And really, for teams like Swindon, who are in League Two, yes. Ex-Premier League club. Ex-Premier Ex- League club, Ex-Premier yes. League club, yeah. Also shows the dangers if you get it wrong, you could end up back down there pretty quick. But that is the the goal, and it is possible to take a team like Swindon, like Luton, from relative small settings and send them up to the top league. And all of a sudden, you're playing against Manchester United, Liverpool, Man City every week. Tell me this, and look, we're singing the praises of English fo- of the English Football League and and the way that they've this premier this promotional playoff weekend has become an event a three-day event. What do you think of the way that the Germans and the Spanish do promotion as far as where there is a playoff, but it's the... So, for instance, if it were to happen in the Premier League, we're talking about Luton, effectively, would be up against um, uh, Leeds or Leicester, I should say, right? So Leicester wouldn't have been automatically relegated, but they would have had to be to face a playoff, right, against the, you know, against the third-place team in the championship, if, if this were to be the case. What do you think of, the, of that system? Because that system has a bit of merit as well, I think. I don't particularly like it. I prefer the system that the English Pyramid has. Yep. Mainly because giving the team that's finished third off bottom in the league above a chance to save themselves, when, be it Leicester City, they've had 10 years in the top flight, 10 years' worth of Premier League revenue, the players that they mm. can bring in, mm. against a side like Luton, who hasn't been anywhere near the Premier League up until this coming season. I don't think it's entirely fair, and mm. I think it's just there as a way to bail out the high-division club. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. I'll take your point. Oh, look, I, the way that you've put it there, I agree with you, actually. And also, if you were going to do that, you wouldn't have a third to sixth playoff tree Correct. to get the best team. It would just be 18th versus third, yeah. which for this season would have been loot. Yeah, it would have been Luton. Yeah, it would have been Luton versus uh, yeah. Leicester. Yeah. I was thinking, did Middlesbrough finish third? But no, they didn't. No, no. And look, I think the third versus sixth, it, it works better within that league. I think you're right. Uh, I can see, look, I can see some pro with regard to um, the 18th place in the Premier League playing against the third place. But, geez. And, and that would be a home and away basis. It wouldn't be a one-off playoff. 
But I think they've managed to hit. I think the English Football League have managed to hit the right note here with these promotional playoff weekends, like the, that. You know that playoff final. I think they've hit the right note. Eighteenth versus third, not just in a one-off game, but a two-leg affair. That's even worse mm. because over two legs, you'd expect the better team to come out. Anything can happen mm. in a one-off game, but you play yeah. 180 minutes, and more often than not, the better team will go through. So. It, yeah, maybe not a fan I mean, of that system. Yeah, maybe it, it tends to work better in Spain and Germany, where the differences between the leagues, the bottom part of the league, and you know the second division isn't that great. So yeah, I I, I can see that. I can see that because you've got what is it, 170 million pounds that Luton are going to get oof. for for commercial revenue and, this and you, season. Yeah, and you know now that they uh, are unable to play at home for the first four rounds or the first four weeks of the Premier because League. Because they'll be, they'll be fixing up the stadium for media and corporate Correct. reasons. Not yeah. because the stadium is a bit of a, uh, I mean, do I need to put it lightly? It's a bit of a dump. But, oh, that's a um, bit disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why they've been talking about a new stadium for about uh, 50 years. <laughs> I just hope that the first game at Luton at Kenilworth oh, Road yeah. is Liverpool. Right, I just want Klopp to freak out. <laughs> I want Klopp to freak yeah. out. Oh I, yeah, I want just Klopp to lose it and go. What are we doing here? You know. <laughs> and I, I saw friend of the pod, Kieran Maguire, tweet out this week that Luton are going to earn as much commercial revenue or more commercial revenue than they had in the previous seventeen seasons. Wow, wow, combined, yeah, yeah, yeah amazing. We're gonna- yeah, the price of football uh, that Kieran does is uh, an amazing pod, so um, get around it if you can. But, um, yeah, just insane. I want to talk about uh, Germany. <laughs> if, uh, I, I can't help but laugh. If we had a rewind thing feature on this pod, we'd go back <laughs> to last week's episode. I can edit in like a little transition. and Like, you know, with, with that kind of music that, you know. <laughs> That kind yep. of music that takes you back what to a, to like a, a re- harp. That a harp, yes, that's right, the harp. <laughs> I'm not confident, <laughs> mate. Me neither. That's what I'm saying. Watch this space. I, I, yeah, I'm not filled with great confidence. Right? Uh, if there's one team that knows how to eke out a result, it's Bayern, right? So they they might do it away. Well, they will. You know, chances are they will do it away should uh, Dortmund slip up. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean and it's possible. Dortmund it is get a, possible. Dortmund get a draw, buy and win, buy and win the title on goal difference. You can see it, can't you? Of you course, can I, see I can see that happening. <laughs> and it'll be one pissed off yellow wall, I can tell you. Yep. And it would be on brand as well. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> now, we want to say that Arsenal choked, right? Well, I don't think they did. I think they would, you know, they uh, lost they it over a series of games. Borussia Dortmund choked on the weekend. Uh, and yeah. I, I, Look, I hate that kind of terminology, right, to be honest. But when I saw the score, like I've come back uh, from doing British Football Watch on 2SR, which was our last episode there for the year. But um, I've come home, I've turned on the Bundesliga and I'm watching it and it's already 1-0 down. Mines are, you know, Mines are up 1-0 away to Dortmund. <laughs> Dortmund have just have got to win. It's in their hands. And, and then Mainz had only won one game out of their last eight. And then a few minutes later, <laughs> bang, 2-0. Oh, my Lord. Honestly, thoughts? Crazy. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. For mine, the most egregious moment is probably the missed penalty. Yes. Sebastian Allaire. Yeah. 
And I felt sorry I think- for him. Like, Halez had a great season coming back from testicular cancer. <laughs> what a story. And for that to happen, I mean, you know. Yeah, and I think when he, if he scored it, it would have been 1-1. I think I've got the timeline right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, crazy. 2-0 down. I was thinking, are we going to get another Aguero moment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if he puts it away, Dortmund do get a goal in the 95th minute. It would have been Correct. an equivalent, assuming the rest of the game goes the same. Obviously, you can't say that, but it's an amazing story. But on the flip side, we have to talk about Muziala. What a story. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. I've been, you know, and buying out of not nowhere, they were in the right place at the right time. End up with their 11th straight title. It's insane. How many titles have Borussia Dortmund thrown away to Bayern oh, yeah. in the last of that of those eleven years? Mm, yeah, there's definitely a couple in there. I reckon there's three or four. And when Jude Bellingham looks like he's set to go, uh, there's a couple other players there that are potentially out the door as well. I mm. don't see them challenging Bayern for a while. No, no, neither do I. Neither do I. But did you see what Maybe happened? Maybe there's a challenger from Leipzig or mm, one of the possibly. other teams. Yeah. Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Not that Leipzig would be a, a popular champion if they were to pinch one. Mm. No, that's true. That's true. But um, yeah, I don't know why that is, though. I guess it might, it it's, comes back to the Red Bull Association there, like, or, you know, that because yeah, of the way that the club was established, right? So that's, yeah. Yeah. And they've effectively circumvented the 50 plus one rule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but did you see what else happened in Germany over the weekend in Bundesliga 2? Ah, I thought we were going to stick on Bayern for a little bit longer. No, screw Bayern. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how much more can you talk about Bayern? I mean, yes, Hammersich lost his job. Oliver Kahn lost his job. The day that they uh, won the title, it was about half an hour after kickoff. Yeah, that's right, it was. You're out the door. Yeah, you got the sack. <laughs> They were actually on the field celebrating with the players. I, you know, yeah. I mean, they're part of the executive, but okay, so be it. But that yeah, is ruthless. It is. It is. It's basically season's over. All right, out you go. Mm. The cleanup is happening. Didn't even give them the night to celebrate. No, not at all. But um, what else did you want to say about Bayern? What else can can be said? I know that. Um, no, that was it. I know that Manuel Neuer made an appearance. That he did. Yep, and um, Joel Cancelo. Picked up two league winners' medals this season. Yes, he has. And you know, to be fair, he played more than eight, you know than eight minutes at uh, Barcelona. <laughs> Not like Aubameyang. That's correct. <laughs> so, um, did you see what happened though in Bundesliga two? It goes to the last round, and Hamburg are thinking that they're um, that they've been promoted, and. Players, you know, players and fans are celebrating. It really is uh, a sight to behold. But lo and behold, there's 11 minutes of injury time at a game in Germany in the same competition, which which is being played. And the funniest thing about this is that the ground announcer actually says that, "Hey, congratulations! You know, we've we've uh, qualified." But <laughs> somebody's obviously not told them that um, that. Uh, the game is still progressing. So long and the sto- long and the short of it is, is that a goal is scored in the eleventh minute of injury time, which forces Stuttgart to miss out on automatic promotion and have to face a playoff scenario against the um, 
seventeenth placed uh, team in Bundesliga to see if they can get promoted. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, the the ground announcer says, "Hey, we've you know been promoted. It's all done." And lo and behold, it isn't, which is incredible. Incredible story. It's amazing. I don't think I've ever seen a team have a pitch invasion and not go up. <laughs> no, exactly right. <laughs> it's amazing. Amazing, that story. And, yeah, the team that they lost out to, Heidenheim. That's right. Never been in the top flight before. And I believe they've had the same manager since they were down in the fifth tier of German football. I read that as well, yeah. And he's taken them from the fifth tier all the way up to the Bundesliga. What a story that is. Incredible. Incredible. Abs- absolutely insane. Tell me, Laz, if, they, are they, if they're going to be plumb last in November, is he going to get the sack? <laughs> oh, you've got to stick with him, though, for a little bit, don't you? <laughs> is modern football that ruthless? <laughs> <laughs> it can be. It can be. That's that's for sure. It can be. That It's just nuts. It's just nuts. But, um, yeah, look. Congratulations to them for being uh, promoted for the first time in the uh, into the Bundesliga. That's a great story. But what actually makes the story even better is that um, Hamburg um, s- seemed to sem- to celebrate prematurely. I was going to say something something else then, but hey. Anyway, <laughs> been a long day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else caught your eye, Nathan? Because there's a lot. That, even though it's you know the leagues are wrapping wrapping down, you know they're um, coming to an end. There's still a little bit around, that's for sure, to say the least. There is, and while we're on the subject of congratulating teams, we should mention Awamobile's Sparta Prague, mm-hmm. James of the Czech Republic, or Czechia. Yeah, have, have, has he um, going back to Cadiz now? Or to I Cadiz? Think, yes. Mm. Well, his loan's going to end. Whether or not he goes back to Cadiz permanently it remains to be seen. Mm. He might go out again or leave the club altogether. Mm. But it's great for an Aussie to... Uh, Pick up a piece of silverware. Yeah, congratulations to him. And speaking on La Liga, mm-hmm. I saw a headline during the week. Yep. At, for next season, La Liga will no longer have goal line technology. I haven't seen this. At, as Javier Tebas does not want to pay the three million euros it costs to operate. Mm, that sounds really weird. Considering and that, instead, mm, and sorry, instead go they're on. going to use the VAR cameras. Okay. Okay. If the VAR cameras can pick it up. And they have um, that capability, and they can save themselves three million. Brilliant! That's uh, I would contend that that would be um, good stewardship from that perspective, right? Provided it can do exactly the same job, and it can give you the exact accuracy that the goal line technology can, which I don't think it does. But anyhow, I think Javier Tebas has got uh, some other problems that he needs to deal with at the moment. Yeah, and on that, I think you'll also have a little bit of uh, extra time delay while the VR sorts it out as opposed to the technology, which is pretty much instantaneous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. But uh, I I noticed that um, there was a sit-down in the uh, Brasileiro Campeonato, I think, um, between Flamengo and uh, Gremio, or Cruzeiro, I think, sorry. Yeah, Uh, where the players, um, the referee blows the kickoff. And the players and the referee and linesmen all sat down on the pitch uh, in support of uh, Vinicius Junior. So that uh, that story continues to uh, take legs, and, and obviously uh, Javier Tebas has definitely faced a bit of flack with regards to that story. Absolutely, and it's going to keep rumbling on because 
things like banners and apologies, they're not going to really cut it, to be honest, because this just got so far out of hand so quickly mm. without any real response from La Liga. We talked about it last week in depth, but whatever they do now, it, it's not going to be enough. Yeah, look, and, and we met some, you know, a couple of the middle management, and we've had Glenn on from uh, La Liga, and we met a couple of people from the middle management whilst we were in Madrid last year. And they get it. They have a global perspective of the game. So it just, it, it just worries me that, uh, that, that Javier Tebas was caught saying the things that he did say in the manner he said it, you know, it just didn't come out right. It wasn't really good. And I hate using the word optically, right? But it didn't come out right optically right? Um, <laughs> for him. And he's had to backtrack. But the two things, one, Valencia have had their punishment reduced to three games with um, with the stadium or well, part of the, you know, significant stadium closures. But, one of Valencia's players actually refused to stand behind the banner because of the, you know, as a protest of the racism that he suffered before in La Liga. So I thought that was a pretty brave and bold move from that player. And and um, and that just goes to show that there are problems that uh, Vinicius Jr. has highlighted. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see that not only are Vinny's countrymen getting behind him when referring to the game in Brazil, Indeed. But also players within La Liga standing behind him because clearly, as we've seen from the past month, there is a wider issue here that really needs to be dealt with for everyone to move forward. And yeah, yeah. And look, so, Spain is so much work to be done. And Spain's a lovely country, right? And generally, lovely people. And I'm, it's just something that unfortunately um, has really said. And and hopefully that um, this that society isn't too, isn't flippant about it. And actually have a regard for it, and yeah, I'm sure the league will bounce back from this. But um, there are no doubts that uh, things need to change culturally, and and that's that can be said around the world, right? It has to change. So Nathan, where should we move to next? I've got some more La Liga news. Let's go La Liga. And look, it's obviously a bit different to the Vinny stuff, but I want to ask you. It seems oh. as though you've got a, a new midfielder. Yes, I was talking about Jude. We are. Hey, Jude. Hey, Jude. Hey, Jude. Look, it hasn't been confirmed yet, right? I'm a bit worried about Real Madrid now, in a way, because uh, I know that Brazil, the Brazil Football Federation are after uh, Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time before Ancelotti moves moves on, but I I thought his son Davide would um, take over or be involved in the setup there going forward because he's been involved with Carlo for a, a long time. Um, yeah, and I fear that Benzema will go. As well, well, that's the story as well. He's and been offered two hundred million euros to go and play in the Middle East. And do you blame him if he goes? Absolutely not. So you know, and Modric isn't you know far behind. Cruz is coming towards the end. So look, there has been a, a start of regeneration of Real Madrid, but um, I think Real Madrid actually need to go for Kane. It would be a great fit. I think it'd be a great fit for him. I mean, look. I'd like. I don't think he'll leave the UK, right? But I think I can see him going to Real now. So can I, and particularly I can see it from their perspective because Kane plays a lot like Benzema, hundred percent, in the sense that he's very much involved in the build-up and drop steep and Correct. leave space for the wingers to run into. Mm. It, and hey, maybe Harry Kane likes playing in white. Maybe he does, but more so than red, <laughs> or black and white, right? <laughs> but. 
that, okay, look, if I'm if I'm Harry Kane, I think if I'm Harry Kane's agent or advisor, I think I'd be telling him to um, start considering his options. Yeah, because the talk is that Spurs are potentially letting Kane's contract run down. It's just one year left, and potentially eighty to hundred million pounds is not as much value as one season of Harry Kane, his final season of Spurs show. That it would or, be, or as much as a Beyonce concert. <laughs> Which my wife actually is the most. Be- oh, Beyonce <laughs> performed at Tottenham Hotspur. I said, go and ask how a Tottenham Hotspur fan how they feel about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, or a uh, Formula One go kart circuit. Correct, <laughs> correct. Hey, look, great facility. Nobody's questioning that. The training grounds are fantastic, but um, yeah, I don't know how Daniel Levy is uh, going to explain this one. And there's a reason why managers keep knocking this job. Mm. Yep. And that's, you know, and that's why I don't think Postacoglu should go because there is something wrong there. Now, okay, he might go and say, look, I love this challenge. I think it'll be great and what have you. Can't begrudge him that. But something's not right at Spurs. And um, our good old friend Jose, respect, <laughs> has uh, had another dig at uh, Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> In the last 24 hours. So you had one imagine the back being, end of- uh, Imagine being a Spurs supporter where no matter what happens in the world of football, someone somewhere is always making a joke how something relates to Spurs. Like, we're talking about the Bundesliga title race. Everyone was just saying, Borussia Dortmund have done a Tottenham. And they're the oh, German uh, Tottenham. They play in black and yellow. Can I, can I insult Tottenham a bit more? I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about Tottenham whilst Borussia Dortmund crumbling. <laughs> Tot- <laughs> Tottenham did not even enter my mind. <laughs> That's amazing. But the, the, they are just the butt of the joke every single time. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. But yeah, and they bring what, it upon themselves. Yeah, and they do bring it upon themselves. You took the words right out of my mouth, Nathan. <laughs> uh, but, yes, yeah, it's what interesting. You, yeah, it's interesting in, in, with regards to, look, I think Kane needs to go. I really do. Uh, yeah. If he doesn't go, then he doesn't want to challenge himself. At what point? But the thing co- is, he wanted to go last summer, and Levy didn't let him go. Okay, okay. So if that's the case, Levy says we're not letting you go now. You can go on a free, right? What is the point of having him there if he's not going to be happy? His head's turned. Surely his head's turned. I mean, he it, must it- realise that it is time for him to leave because we've said previously, but he's done absolutely everything. That he can achieve as an individual player at 30, Tottenham. He's, yeah, Thirty goals this season, Nathan. Yep, his best season, probably mm. his best season. Mm. Not, maybe not necessarily the goal scoring, but his overall play. I think but, he is aging quite well, and he's sort of stamped out the ankle problems that he's had in the past. And I think he's well worth the, being in the conversation for one of the best English players around at the moment. And given that he's English, that attracts an extra bit of money, extra bit of transfer fund. Anything like that. Sure, sure. Now that he's done everything as an individual, yes, 30 goals this season, Tottenham's all-time record goal scorer, breaking the England goal-scoring record whilst being a Spurs player as well, that would be one little thing that he can tick off. The only thing missing from from him on an individual level is Shearer's record. But is that much of a consolation prize if you retire and you haven't won a trophy? Wouldn't you go to Real Madrid, the world's best club, right, and cement a small legacy there for a period of two to three years and bag, you know, 60 goals 
to, to eighty goals, somewhere between in the, in that you know in that scope. It'd be more than three years. It'd be like six or seven. Look, I would say a minimum of three. Right? You're probably right. It would could be a well be sixty. Uh, sorry, six years, but <laughs> not sixty. Six years. Um, when he's ninety. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> searching his true, you know, searching for a trophy. Yeah, but um, yeah, but I, I dare say it could well be six years. One thing's for sure: if he goes for three years, at least he bags between sixty and eighty goals. Yeah, right, and possibly hands Real Madrid or La Liga, and, a and knowing them, probably a Champions League as well. Yeah, uh, there you go. You read all my two, mind. All three. <laughs> I, I didn't even get to finish the sentence. You, you, you finished it for me. So. Yeah, it's he's got to go. And if you're Spurs, okay, let's go look at it from the Spurs management perspective right now. You've got a player there. He's only got 12 months left on his contract. And you could probably charge, so you probably raise somewhere between 80 to 100 for him this year. Do you take the money? I think you have to. Yeah, exactly. For me, it'd be smart business to take the money now because Spurs will be better next season. They'll come top seven next year. I'm pretty certain of that. Finishing in the top four is a different kettle of fish altogether. And you'd expect City to be in there next season. Arsenal are a young side. Liverpool will get better again. Yes, Chelsea will come through as well behind them. Maybe not overtake them, but they'll be contenders for European places next season, at the very least. Mm. There's a lot of teams fighting for the top four, the top six, and seventh. And 80 to 100 mil is probably worth more than even if you do get into the Champions League. One season of that is it really 100 million. Yeah. No, look, you make and, a good point. Yeah, you and make it's a good even point less there. if you slip up mm. and you finish fifth or sixth. Mm. Yeah. I think if you're Spurs, you've got to take the money. I, I, I think you have to. I think it's the right thing to do. I, I, if I was Daniel Levy, I'd be selling him. Mm. So, and it's a, it's a bit of pill to swallow, letting your all-time goal scorer, player who loves a club, club captain, came through the academy, and so on and so on, okay. letting him go before he's retired. You'd like him to retire as a, well, he's not a one-club player, but such yeah. as a Tottenham icon. Yeah, but to your point, Nathan, right? If if Harry Kane was going to stay, would he have not re-signed a contract already? Yeah, he probably would have. I'm sure they would have tried to re-sign him by now. Yeah. And really, the only re- reason as to why Harry Kane's still at Spurs is because he signed that stupid eight-year contract previously because uh, his brother's his agent. And yeah. when it was announced it was an eight-year deal, we all thought, geez, does he really want to stay at Spurs for eight years? Because... Everyone saw and everyone knows that Levy is so difficult to negotiate with. Yeah. You're not going to get Harry Kane out of there before Spurs want to get rid of him. Well, I didn't know Harry Kane's brother is doing all the contracts for the Chelsea signings. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, Poch. Todd Todd Kane. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Todd Kane Bowley. (laughs) And on that note, Poch to Chelsea. Just to, upset, just to upset the Spurs fans even more. Mm-hmm. It's finally been announced. Interesting. Two-year contract. Does he see Christmas? I don't know. I can't I say for yes, for sure. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. All I know is he's got a lot. Of, he's got a bit of work to do. That's he's an got understatement a, and a half. Yeah, he's got a bit of work to do to try and cull that side. And their football ops are going to need to uh, try and move players on very quickly. And try and How acquire players. How do you move pl- players and, on, though? And try and acquire players. You know, it's just insane. They don't just really insane. need to acquire players, though. Lance. They, yeah, they but, need a striker, yes. But aside from that, they, I don't well, think they okay. need anyone else. All right, hang on. They've got a striker. They've got other players. Do Are they potch players? That's the question. And they might not be. 
So then they might have to. So they will have to move on players and acquire players. I think there's enough players in that team that are versatile enough to play whatever style of football you could possibly conceive, to some degree. Okay, let me hit, hit you up with a stat here. Who was the third joint highest scorer at Stamford Bridge this year for Chelsea or this season? Well, Havertz got top goal scorer. Let me ask you the question again. Mm-hmm. At Stamford Bridge, this season just concluded. The joint third highest scorer for Chelsea. Who was it? Oh, yeah. Havertz would have got first and second, maybe Sterling, because he was picking up a few. But then third, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be someone who was only there briefly or hasn't been in the team. Was it Aubameyang? It's actually not even a Chelsea player. Oh, it's an own goal. Kieran Trippier. <laughs> one. One own goal. So you tell me, Nathan, that Chelsea don't have issues. Oh, yeah, obviously Chelsea got issues. I think a lot of those issues can relate to things about confidence and the fact they've got such a bloated squad and there's so much shop and change in the lineup. I think a lot of the problems at Chelsea disappear when you cull the squad, when you get rid of seven or eight first-team players, maybe more. I'm hesitant to think Chelsea need another five or six to come through the door for them to start playing good football. Did Joao Felix have to move on? Because that was Potter's doing, apparently, straight away from the very get-go. I'm not having – and I would contend that, okay, Joao Felix actually scored a, few, a handful of goals in since January, the end of January, mind you. It wasn't there from the start. It was there at the end. Yeah, I think, yes, Joao Felix, he looked really good at times. He looked, in some games, far and away, the only Chelsea attacker worth anything whatsoever. Does that make good business? But when he's a loan – a potential loan to buy signing – when you've already got Nkunku coming through the door, you've yep. got so many attacking players already. I think if you signed Joao Felix, yes, it may have been good business to keep him around because he was actually doing something. But again, it's just too many players. Yeah. And if you go into the season, maybe you play Nkunku up front, maybe you playing behind the striker, which would have been Joao Felix's position. It's the same as Kai Havertz's position. There's too many players. There's just too many players. And I think Potts has gone in there and just thought there's already so many people here we can get rid of this guy with relative ease. We don't have to try and flog him. We don't have to beg a team to take him off just our hands. He can just go. Yeah, yep. It's just one dealt with straight away. And the thing is, if you're Chelsea, how do you go about selling the players that you don't want anymore? Because everyone knows that Chelsea's squad is bloated. Everyone knows they need to get rid of players. If you're, I don't know, into Milan and mm. Chelsea ring you up and say, hey, do you want to take this player off our hands? Be like it Kovacic, whoever. Lukaku. Lukaku, even. And Chelsea say, oh, he's a good player. He's done well for you in the past. Or what do you say? 50 million? If you're into Milan, no way. No. They're going to get such low ball offers. You'd be like, hmm, I might consider 20. Yeah. Because Chelsea have to sell. They do. They do. They're probably the weakest selling position in world football for this, for this window. I'd agree with you there. So how are they going to get anything close to value for money for those players? They're going to take massive losses in the transfer market. Yes, they have to. They're not going to make their money back, particularly when you look at the transfer fees that they have paid for some of these players that they're going to shift out. Yeah. And it's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And that's why I say, Poch, I've got question marks of him seeing Christmas as a Chelsea manager because there's so many problems to solve June, July, and August. Who knows what this Chelsea squad is going to look like on September the 1st? Yeah, that's right. By that time, you've already played three games. Maybe Chelsea have lost them. And the negativity just snowballs again. Mm. 
Uh, hard to disagree with you there. Hard to disagree with you there. So where should we move to? I know there's a couple of Chelsea supporters who listen to this pod, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to save them from further embarrassment. Right? <laughs> I want I want to say uh, uh, sorry, but uh, unfortunately, I'm, I think they'd agree with me. <laughs> Hard not to. Hard mm. not to. Hard not to. A League Grand Final this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday night. Saturday night. Seven forty-five. Combank Stadium. Mm-hmm. In Western Sydney. The power of the, the City Football Group, Melbourne City versus Central Coast Mariners. The plucky Mariners. The plucky Mariners <laughs> from the Central Coast of New South Wales. How do we does, think this one's going to play out? Does the City Football Group win or does football win? No, City Football Group wins. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I would love football to win, right? As much as I'd love the Mariners to win and do the upset, Melbourne City, and we've said it before, Melbourne, this Melbourne City side is very, very good. Right, they've got a freedom about them in in most cases, and they're just a hard, hard team to stop. I in still the... think they're not quite as good as they were under Kisnorbo. I can see where you're coming from with that, but I actually think they're more entertaining. Yeah, in a way, like a bit more free flowing as well. It's a shame that second leg against Sydney got stamped out, and the game got changed completely with a red card to Burgess. Yes, yeah, so it was a red yeah. card, of course. It no, was. I agree, I agree. But it we didn't really get to see the true levels to where City are and having the first week of the finals off and effectively one game plus a training run in the semi-final and another week off now, I have question marks over where this City squad is at coming mm. into this weekend's final. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the Mariners have all the momentum. They've got all the neutrals behind them as well. Correct. Yeah, I think it might be a little bit more evenly matched than first meets the eye. I hope so. I think it'll be a great game, actually. I think it'll be a cracking game. I'm looking forward to watching it, actually. Yeah, I'll be out there on Saturday. Oh, night. you going? Yeah, great. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And yeah, sitting up the Mariners end, of course. <laughs> well, no, I'll be watching it from the uh, comfort of my own lounge room, but uh, I'll be looking forward to it because there's two finals on Saturday night. I don't know the other one that you're talking about. Uh, it's going to be two losses for the City Football Group. <laughs> Hopefully, well, you know, hey, it, it could it could happen. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Mm. I'm sorry to say. Mm. I'm sorry to say. Mm. <laughs> I think the blue side of Manchester will be lifting up another trophy this weekend. You care to disagree? Uh, in hope. <laughs> ah, in hope, yes. Okay. When it, but when it comes to, you know, actual, not punditry, but actual, you know, educated opinion, if we can call mm. it that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, City of, obviously City of Favourites, yeah. but... Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, one-off and game, are. anything yeah. can happen. And look, that's right, and that's the beauty of a final, right? It's a one-off game, anything can happen. Manchester United are there to defend uh, treble history and make sure that their cross-city rivals uh, falter. And I think it'll be a. Cra- I think it'll actually be a good final as well. I think yeah. there'll be. I think there'll be goals in this final. Evenly spread. <laughs> I <laughs> cannot give you that exactly. <laughs> But I think there will be goals. I think there'll be more than two and a half, two and a half goals in this. Yeah, I I, I would uh, tack onto that as well. I can't see it being a, a proper cagey affair, like a one nil or something like no. that. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, mm. It was a proper rousing speech from Ten Hag at Old Trafford on the weekend. The guy finished third. He didn't yeah, win the league. Referring to the cup final this weekend. Uh, okay. <laughs> sure. 
He knows how to work a crowd. Yes, he does. He and does. Spurs knocked him back because he didn't have enough charisma. Yeah, okay. Well, you know. Mm. See what I mean? Spurs always the butt of the joke. Yeah, I know, but I didn't <laughs> want to bite. But, you know, hey. That's true, I, by the way. I think, Jose, I think Jose's got uh, got more charisma than Ten Hag. But, look, there's no doubt that he has charisma. And there's no doubt. And, look, congratulations. All, all, all seriousness. Congratulations to, to Ten Hag on the job he's done at Manchester United. He started pretty tumultuously. But, um, you know, he's uh, ended up in in a really good spot and finishing third, which I'm not happy about, but that's okay. Take the good with the bad. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, well, you know, hey, what do you do? I'm happy. <laughs> that, look, if you'd offered me fourth at the start of the season, Nathan, I would have taken it with both arms. And ditto if you said third in a trophy, maybe two. Mm. Well, yeah, hey, hey. Uh-huh. You know, and we had a cup, you know, Newcastle had a cup final. So, mm-hmm. you know. It's it hasn't been a bad season for Newcastle United, and uh, it hasn't been a bad season for Manchester United, and they've got one more game to go. So yeah, you say it's a tumultuous start. There were some tumultuous moments throughout the season as well, but uh, no, indeed, all's well that ends well, I suppose. No, indeed, and indeed. Whilst we're back on European football and the City Football Group in particular, I wanted to put this to you, Laz, a, a story mm. that I saw from uh, was it us, the Spanish paper. Yep. Uh, it's PSG are looking to copy the City Football Group model. How much money do they have? They have a lot of money. PSV? No, PSG. Oh, sorry, PSG. My apologies. <laughs> I, thought, I thought PSV. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, it must no. have just been a second there for a lag and I didn't hear the <laughs> J. I only had the E. No, um, last time I checked, PSV don't have that sort of money. But No, uh, that's why I was surprised. like, PSV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but, okay, PSG. Well, yes. look, hey, they're going to free up a fair bit with, from Neymar as well because Neymar, Neymar, Neymar won't be there next year. By the way. <laughs> no. But look, um, if they're able to emulate the Manchester City um, example and bring that across to France and then go and acquire clubs overseas and, and try and build their um, their network that way, well, then... Empire. Good luck to them, though. It's not an empire. It's not like Star Wars, right? <laughs> but, yeah, look, good luck to them if they can. I think they're going to be in for some stiff competition in the, in the likes of Newcastle United. Initially, not because Newcastle United will go and acquire clubs in a similar way, but I think that, uh, you know, I think that uh, the resources available to Newcastle United appear to be quite large. Yeah, which is club in the Premier League that they are. But... I've got some names in front of me here, Laz, that clubs they're looking to invest in. Go on. They already have a 21% share in SC Braga in Portugal. Yep. And they're looking to invest into Malaga. Malaga. Sampdoria. Sorry, Nathan. Malaga have been relegated again. Did they go down from the second tier? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they were, they're were. they in um, in uh, the third division now. Jeez. I suppose it's a good time what's, to buy. What's it couldn't they be? But um, yeah, now, there's and I saw something credit to Copper ninety actually. They had a uh, Instagram post with regards to the fall of Malaga. Incredible, incredible story. It was what was it under Pellegrini? Correct. They were, they were so, a much. They're in a much better spot. And and Cazorla was there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, looks like they're um, they've uh, definitely hit the skids there. Yeah. So PSG looking to invest in them alongside Sampdoria. And Santos in Brazil. Sampdoria and Santos, I mean, they're, they're quite interesting, right? I mean, Santos being the club of Pele. Mm. Um, and Neymar was at Santos, wasn't he? Indeed he was. All right. So, you know, 
and I'm sure there's other Brazilians there as well, but they're the first two that come to mind when I think of Santos. But, um, yeah, geez. Um, hmm. Sampdoria. Interesting, that one. Because they've just been relegated too, no? And they've been relegated to the Serie B. So they're obviously hoping to try and acquire uh, clubs, I think, that are on the brink of going down and think they can pick them up for a fire sale, I'm guessing. Yeah. There's a, a seems like a decent strategy there. Maybe. Or an identifiable strategy, anyway. Well, there's definitely an identifiable strategy. I don't, just don't know how plausible it is. Because City invested in Girona when they were in the second tier, as well as correct. Palermo. Correct, correct, yeah. yeah Palermo correct. too. That's two clubs in the second divisions. And maybe there's a case of, well, Tony Bloom as well bought Audio saint Correct. when they're in the second tier of Belgium. And he has Nice as well, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's Jim Ratcliffe. Ah, right. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah, Ineos. Mm. Yes, sorry. Um, so, yeah, maybe there is something to be said about buying lower-tier clubs. Maybe you get le- less opposition from Rusted-on supporters that can see a potential route back to the top. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah, what you um, what your position there is uh, definitely you know, noteworthy and makes sense. Lars, what else caught your eye this week? 50 days out from the Women's World Cup today, as we record. Yeah, I didn't so... see any ads in the State of Origin coverage. <laughs> no, see, but that would have been great shit, Hazard. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, but um, look, I, I, I've uh, just been made aware of a post. Actually, I'm, I'm going to look into it a bit further. But uh, with regards to we discussed legacy last week with yourself and and Kat Haddad, right? And uh, Football Australia have, with the 50 days left to the Women's World Cup, um, have um, outlined 50 uh, projects that they have as part of the legacy plan. So at least there's a you know something that appears to be going on. I just think this thing, it really like Vivid is on now in Sydney for those that are out of Sydney, right? And I can tell you from personal experience that uh, you know movie houses like such as Universal Pictures and all that are uh, organising drones and doing all kinds of displays around town. Why are, you know is football, the Women's World Cup, not being promoted digitally, electronically? In this, um, during this period in Sydney, I just like they're the kind of things that I think you know, uh, that's the level of engagement that needs to happen and they should be plastered all over town. They really should be. But I mean, I'm sounding like a broken record because I said the same thing last week, but anyway, yeah, I, I think there's two lines we say pretty much every week <laughs> talking about the advertising yeah. and the potential, yeah. So, but uh, good to see Sam Kerr win her fourth, fourth women's super league title at uh, Chelsea. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, good for uh, Sam. <laughs> four years. I, I can't believe she's been there for four years already. Yeah, and did you see Sam Kerr got a transfer to Bayern Munich? No, I did not. <laughs> Enlighten me. I didn't see this. Not that Sam Kerr. Okay. We, well, I figured that it wasn't that one, but which one? <laughs> which Sam Kerr are we talking about here? There's a, uh, a Sam Kerr who plays for Scotland. Yeah. Male or female? female. Oh, the, the female. Yes, yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. When Scotland played Australia, I remember, yes, now seeing the yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Hayley Rasso looks like she'll be the first Australian at Real Madrid. Yeah, I saw that. Which uh, which is awesome. And and she's a great player. Mm, yeah. You know, absolute live wire. Um, my daughter, my daughter love, loves watching her. She's a great player. Absolutely, you know. Yeah, she's not the only one. No, no, no. She's, yeah, great player. And Ellie Carpenter picked up two trophies this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And it seems as though... 
with the European season concluding, all the Matildas have got away injury free, which was touch one big thing. That was I a big had. concern. Yep, same, yeah. same, big concern. So hopefully uh, they come back into camp and um, uh, things start uh, gathering momentum as we are now seven weeks away. Just a little over seven weeks away, being 50 days to go. Just incredible. It'll be here before we know it, Nathan. Yep. How do we go on before we know it as well? <laughs> <laughs> Time has a funny thing, funny way of doing that, doesn't it? Yep. So I've got something that, uh, or a couple of things that have did catch my eye. Speaking about the Women's World Cup, which is a concern, I have to say, is that it's still facing a TV blackout across Europe. Yeah, crazy this. Right. It, it's it, it just does not make sense to me. What is the objection here? What is the obstacle here between FIFA and, and these broadcasters? Right? It's it, it just doesn't make sense to me. There is well, what nothing. Did, uh, what did Angela Talaka refer to it as? Vitamin M. Sorry. Vitamin M. Vitamin. That's right. Vitamin money. Yes. <laughs> but seriously, it, it look. Um, Obviously, I think as we get closer to the uh, tournament, deals will be done because there is no way these countries are, gonna, are not going to broadcast this to their um, – and 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 we're talking about public broadcasters here, right? So they would have a charter similar to the ABC in the, here and the BBC in, in the UK where they need to broadcast things um, which are of public interest and giant and, um, and of – Great appeal, and it just seems as if these uh, broadcasters are just um, not willing to part with their money to uh, acquire the broadcast rights. Yeah, I don't think the UK specifically has an anti-siphoning list that Australia does. Yeah, they. But, I think they used to, but I'm not sure if that's uh, applicable now. But you're right that this event is massively in the public interest, and not least because England is competing, it should be on at some level at the very least on the public broadcaster and yeah i think it is mostly smoke and mirrors and oh yeah positioning in terms of getting a deal over the line because i can't see us getting to the first game of the women's world cup and there's no deal in europe for broadcasting oh, it doesn't make any sense to me that we can see that possibility happening i can't see it and think of it this way european summer the the you know the times aren't all that bad um especially the evening games you know, it'll, it'll be their uh, lunchtime effectively. Uh, you know, just after midday there, so it should be um, it should be quite quite appealing to them. I would have thought. You know, or late mornings. Mm. So uh, the good thing is is that the United Kingdom have you know BBC and ITV have reportedly secured a deal, but um, yeah, still France, Spain, and Germany and Italy and Japan appear to be holding out at the moment. So um, yeah, so it's a bit more of a watch the space. Kind of scenario, but and we'll keep uh, keep our eyes on that story because uh, it's important. It's important to the to the success of this World Cup actually globally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, the more eyes on this tournament, then it, it's the obvious thing here on the financial side of things. The more eyes on it, the better the players mm. end up getting paid. Yeah, uh, Spalletti, Luciano Spalletti, yeah, is taking a year long sabbatical after Napoli's. Uh, success in the Scudetto this year in Serie A. So, are you uh, surprised he hasn't hung around? Yeah, I am actually. But I, I mean, I don't. You know, he he has done this before. So, but I I am surprised. I thought he'd be at Napoli for at least a couple more seasons, at least. 
How about yourself? Yeah, I do agree with you. I thought it seems as though Napoli have had some sort of breakthrough. Obviously, they've won the Scudetto, but a breakthrough in the sense of their squad, where they're positioned relative to Juventus, Milan and Inter. Mm. It's not just a fluke title. It seems though their squad is better as it stands right now. And yes, maybe you see Ossiman leave, maybe you see Kim and Jay leave and maybe a couple others. But Napoli seem to be in a very good spot right now. So it does surprise me that he wasn't willing or wasn't he didn't have the desire to see this team through and yeah. see if he can win another Scudetto, go back to back. Yeah, I agree. Agree with you there. We're agreeing a fair bit tonight. We need to find yeah, something to fire up about. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I have to say, I mean, obviously, uh, we're an audio podcast only at this point in time, but uh, I do enjoy the uh, resplendence of that Atlanta United jersey, even though they're not my MLS team. So there you go. No, they're not mine either. They're not mine either. <laughs> but it's a good look. Yeah. It's a good look. Yeah, I love the kit. Yeah. Black, red, and gold yeah. always looks good. Yeah. Laz, whilst we're on the subject of kits, mm-hmm. it's... The time of year where we keep seeing leaks and unveilings of new jerseys for the new season. Yep. And I want to ask you, there's been a little bit of a trend recently mm-hmm. in kit makers of putting out minimalist badges on third kits. Oh, here we go. So you had to bring got... magic. You had to bring no. magic United into this conversation again, didn't you? It's not. No, I mean, uh, come on, I'm, it, I'm taking the piss here. Right? The it did spark the thought. I must say, uh, Manchester United. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to lead with that example. To be fair, uh, <laughs> you were. You weren't, or you were. I wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, my apologies. I'll retract that then. I was going to lead with the Roma example, but Manchester United are the, are the next club in line to do something similar. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this uh, on Roma though. I have seen that. Um, I have seen that they are looking to change manufacturer. I believe it's Adidas next season. I would call that an upgrade. For mine, Adidas make the best kits. Ooh. I don't know. I don't mind the New Balance kits. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I I don't mind them, right? Um, Mikey are hit and miss. I think they've hit the right note with the Matildas. Like, I think the away kit in particular, the Matildas is... Should be the away kit for the men's. It is just brilliant. Yeah, I think for Nike, it's more missed than hit recently. The home think, kit, the home kit for the Matildas is pretty good, though, too, Nathan. Yeah, I think the Matildas have been the exception, really, mm-hmm. to what oh, I've okay. seen for the last few years. But so, which which kits don't you like from Nike? The fact that they're so heavy, like obviously, kit manufacturers have templates, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so obvious with Nike that they have a set template, and it's just a different color palette. You can see it with the international kids. You can see it with the club kids as well, aside from the ones that have a specific design, so like red and white stripes of many teams, mm-hmm. for instance. But mm-hmm. so many of the Nike kids, they're very basic. They're very safe is my main criticism of them. I Whereas agree with you there. You compare to Adidas kids, particularly with away kits and often third kits, they mm-hmm. do go a bit more rogue. Yes. And they push the boat a little, which I like to see. Yes. And sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. But, um, but yeah, for mine, Adidas are the best manufacturer. Okay. All right. So what's brought this on? Just the, the change in the badge on so, in recent seasons. So so Roma, you're familiar with the badge. Yes. In last season or the season before, they've introduced the new minimalist logo. Just on, the wolf. On the kits. Just the wolf. That's right. Yeah, which they have had before, historically. Hmm. Yes. 
but they've brought it back. And mm. what sparked the, my thought on it this week is that I saw a leak for a Manchester United kit where it had just the devil on it instead of the yes, crest. Correct. And what did you think about that? I don't like it. I, I didn't think you would. When I saw no. that story, I thought Nathan's gonna like, not going to like this. See, I'm even seeing the Manchester United stories now on my feeds, and I'm thinking, <laughs> of, uh, what's Nathan going to think? When really, I couldn't care. Right? <laughs> not that I well, don't care about. Everyone no. always says that. Not you, that your I couldn't phone listens to you, so maybe your no. phone's listening to me now. <laughs> no, that's right. Not that I couldn't care about you, but as a person at all. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that Manchester United, and that's aggravating me, right? Like, <laughs> why am I getting this Manchester United story? Although, and to be fair, <laughs> Laurie, I'm following Laurie Whitwell obviously after our uh, chat with him. Um, on I think you're Instagram, a closet red. And last. He comes up. Sorry. I think you're a closet red lens. Wash your mouth. <laughs> Wash your mouth out. That's that's offensive. But uh, I, you're going to get that with Adidas. You're not going to get that with Nike, funnily enough. That kind of logo, different mm. variation logo for the third kit. And I guess, I guess it depends on the club too, right? Like I don't see Real Madrid having just a crown. No, no, right? it wouldn't be just a crown. No. So their logo is quite, you know. Quite distinct, and and that would um, and that would be there. Um, yeah, you, you raise an interesting point there, Nathan. But I mean, look, just think of the money and the companies that are involved, you know, business in a business perspective with regards to these kits. And it's there's obviously something lucrative about it, especially if you're, you know, if they're selling kits at one hundred and thirty dollars a pop or one hundred and forty dollars a pop these days. Yeah, the prices are ridiculous. What would it be for Newcastle? Would it be what is it on your badges? Seahawks. Seahorse, yeah. If oh, if it were to be a, it would actually be a magpie. I reckon it's interesting. Do they it, specifically they, take a part of the badge, or would it be the the uh, the nickname? Well, Newcastle United have had a magpie badge in the past, mm. which is actually quite a nice one, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I just like the current logo for Newcastle United. I think it's just spot on. Have you seen Villa's new logo? No, I haven't. I think it's a change for the worse. What's uh, what does it have? Uh, it pink Chelsea. It looks very much like the Chelsea Chelsea badge. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. But as far as uh, Aston Villa are concerned, that's always been the badge from my perspective. Yeah, it is a bit more traditional. The change. So, yeah, but I will say I'll miss I'll miss the shield. Yep, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. What else do you have? Uh, just one other thing. Yeah, I was, you may uh, have seen. Hmm? I was going to say, I thought you had one more thing. <laughs> I don't know if it's what you're thinking of. No, 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 no. Go on. Do you have I'm something sure. in mind? No, no, no. Go on. Okay. Um. Yeah, I got one more thing, and it's mm. not a not a topic I, I want to bring up, but I think given that uh, we've been speaking a bit, little bit about Dutch football the past couple of weeks, as well. Oh, yes. Mentioned. Oh no! Don't tell me. Was it the Ajax player that? Um, Punched uh, a fan. Yeah. So Stephen Berghaus lashed out at a FC Twente supporter. Mm. And that video has been doing the rounds. And often what is missing from little clips like that is the context. Correct. And the context is that that supporter called one of the uh, IX players, a teammate of Stephen Berghaus, a, uh, a kankajvot. I thought you were going to say something else then for a second when you started. I was no. starting to get scared. <laughs> so what is that word and what does that translate to? So direct translation would be cancer black. Oh, it's, it's not great. That's not great at all. 
Okay. No. And what's the inferred translation? Essentially, so someone of a dark skin is a cancer to, or a threat or a virus right. to use some words used previously. Yeah. Um, so either way, this isn't good. Either. No, it's not good at all. And mm. I think upon seeing the context, everyone can sort of could have sort of seen the justification. And yes, players shouldn't lash out, but there wasn't as much rage towards Stephen Burkhouse as previous mm. when the clip was first going viral. Not good. Not no. good at all. Been not a bad month for Dutch football and supporter culture there. Yeah, yeah. And look, I actually think it's sad that um, Van der Sars decided to leave his post as well as CEO at AX. Yes. But right. I think the team in the last 18 months or so. Um, it's not even for the team, though, Nathan. I think it's actually more so to do with the fact that you've got ex-professionals who are football people who are, are willing to step up and take these roles. I think it's important. Yeah, no, it is important. But I think the reason he's left is there's a bit of a, a list of things that have piled up in the last 18 to 24 months, both on-field and off-field, that mm-hmm. you can sort of think, okay, what's really going on here? There was the mm-hmm. whole... Yeah. situation. Yep. The Overmars situation. Mm. And yeah, there's a couple others as well that uh, it doesn't, when you take a wider view and all these things into consideration, it doesn't really paint a good picture. No, that's true. Sar, who's the CEO and really he's the, he's the guy, the fall guy. Uh, very true. Very true. Mm. Where do we move to next? That exhausts my list of things that caught my eye this week. Okay. All right. I've got uh, one more thing. Mm-hmm. I might actually have a couple more, but anyway, I've got one more thing. Crystal Palace manager. Yeah. Graham Boy. Potter. Graham Potter. Mm. Yes. How do you think that's going to work out, <laughs> considering he's at Brighton <laughs> less than a year ago? Yeah. I mean, if he was already out of favour with the Brighton supporters, this will tip him over the edge. Correct. Um, or is it? Look, is it, Brighton, it was... Brighton Palace is not a rival. It's not a derby. It's not a derby. Brighton Palace. It's a rivalry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not exactly the most vitriolic derby in English football, rivalry, but I do wonder how quickly the Palace fans will turn on me if it's not working out or whether it could even get them on side in the first place because also, just thinking about it on the pitch, this Palace squad doesn't scream to me Graham Potter football. Yes. What we've seen at his time at Chelsea and his time at Brighton, Palace have one of the most dynamic attacking squads in the league. And yes, Zaha might be on on the exit door, mm. but when you got Elise as a and company, can they play Potter football? Maybe not. Do the Palace fans want Potter football, regardless of who it actually is? Do they want that style of play? I'd be hesitant to say yes. I'd have to agree with you. I'd have to agree with you there again. What is Dance. going on? <laughs> Far out. We we need for we we need some something to argue about. I think the Palace fans will get behind Postacoglu. Uh, much more than they were Graham Potter, regardless of the person I, I himself. S- look, I could see that. I could see that. It, well, see, that makes sense as compared to going to Spurs mm-hmm. because of the project. Yeah. Where it actually will be a project and it actually means something rather than anything else. But do you see Ange leaving to go to Crystal Palace, uh, a side that finishes 12th every season? Why wouldn't he? Might be able to take them to eighth <laughs> or a champion or, you know, or a not a Champions League, a um, Conference League spot, maybe. But I do wonder whether Ange Ball would work for a bottom half Premier League team. Look, to be fair, I would think not. But you never know, right? You never know. Because at the end of the day, Palace are what two windows off being 
close to what Villa Brentford are. Yeah. When you have the right manager in the dugout. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. You're agreeing with me again, Les. <laughs> I agree with that. No, but I agree with that. I feel like it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. You know, I mean, I can't argue with that. So looks like it's just going to be one of those th- episodes where we uh, can agree with each other. And, uh, you know, although I will break I'm gonna, it. I'll, I'm going to conjure something up. Although, I'll, no, 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 you don't. I'll, I will tell you that the treble, <laughs> the treble is on, right? Oh, Manchester City you, will win this weekend. Now you're getting your just you're and getting I, your big stick out now. No, and I'm sorry to say that, but you know you're poking me with it. Yeah, I know. Easy target, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mm, City Football Group, City Football Group, zero two on Saturday night. Yes, they were, but I think well, okay, you're talking about the, uh, this coming Saturday. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. But uh, I am looking forward to something uh, that happens tomorrow morning. i just got to try and get around to uh, viewing some of it, is uh, the CONCACAF Champions League. I thought you were going to say something different there. Yeah, what did you think I was going to say? I, was, I thought you were going to say Europa League final. Well, I am looking forward to that too. We'll get to that in a minute. But hmm. um, I am looking forward to the CONCACAF Champions League. LAFC versus Leon of Mexico. It'll be a walkover. Ooh, but I'll tell you what, I think the atmosphere will be absolutely sensational. It will be. It'll be fascinating to see. Oof. And do you think, side note, speaking of atmosphere, mm-hmm. if or when this San Diego team comes in, mm-hmm. are they going to have just the biggest rivalry with LAFC as LAFC will with Galaxy? I, I would think not, but I would actually think that they might go for... Um... I have to check my geography, but I actually think they would have to go with a, with San Jose more so than, you know, with LAFC. Mm. Hold that thought as I pull up a map. <laughs> you go for it. Because bear with me, my Californian geography is not entirely up to scratch. Yeah, I want to say San Jose is between San Diego and LA from memory. Out to oh, the no. left of them. No. No? So I'm going wrong. up the coast, we've got San Diego... LA, long way to San Jose. Ah, uh, San Jose. Then San Francisco, right. then Sacramento. Okay. I knew Sacramento was up north. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. So San Jose is, yes, uh, north of LA. Yeah. Okay. Whilst Anaheim is south of, that's right, Anaheim is south of LA and in between LA and San Diego. It's just a shame that we don't have uh, Chivas anymore. No, I agree. <laughs> that would have been good. It would have been Shivas that, against that probably Shivas. Would have been the derby. Oh, Shivas against Shivas. Yeah, you'd have Shivas <laughs> in Mexico against you know, But yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Maybe there'll be a a time where we have Tijuana meeting San Diego in the Champions League to circle back. That'd be interesting. That'd be something special. That'd be interesting. So, uh, Europa League final. Jose does it again. Surely. I think so too. But um, you did hear what he said about uh, Spurs. Not to, you know, yes. diminish Spurs. Yes. Right. Uh, he he, he uh, doubled down as well. Yes, he did, like I mentioned earlier. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, actually. <laughs> it's crazy what, um, what his uh, approach has been with regards to uh, talking about Mr. Levy's club rather than, you know, or trying to minimise the amount of times he um, says the name um, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's that's what he said last week, right? Or 
very early this week that it's Mr. Levy's club and he doesn't hold a, a long feeling positively about Tottenham as opposed to his other previous teams. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. But did you see what he said yesterday? No, that's what I was uh, mm. alluding to, but you sh- maybe we should eliminate uh, those who haven't seen it. Yeah, well, Mourinho was asked why he's won trophies with Roma and he didn't win them at Tottenham. Right. His response was, in Roma, they didn't sack me before the final. In Tottenham, they sacked me before the final at Wembley. Roma gave me the chance to win. At Tottenham, I had no chance. So yes. a, a very literal answer as to why he didn't win trophies. Yeah. yeah. I don't see uh, somehow Mr. Levy coming uh, down for a game of tennis <laughs> to exchange views <laughs> with regards to that. No. Yeah. So um, the under-20, the other thing that i was uh, been keeping an eye on is the other 20 Men's World Cup. Oh, yeah. And uh, USA thumped New Zealand in the round of 16, 4 0. Yeah, amazing the Kiwis were able to get out of the group, but mm. no further. And yeah. yeah, America doing the business again. Seems that way. Seems that way. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see the uh, countries that are in the um, in the under 20s World Cup currently. And so you have. Uh, Brazil and Tunisia, which are obviously playing in the round of 16 now. Colombia and Slovakia. Argentina and Nigeria. England and Italy. Do you mind? And uh, Yeah, exactly. But I was just um, bringing up Uzbekistan and Israel. Yeah. You know, making the round of 16. Because Uzbekistan, if I'm not mistaken, knock Australia out of the tournament to qualify for this? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. so. So them getting out of the group shows that they're no mugs. No, that's true. But yeah, a disappointing result, losing one nil going out. Mm. Yeah, and, very much so. And very Korea so. fly the flag for the AFC. Yep it uh, it appears that way. It appears that way. Although uh, South Korea uh, did make the round of sixteen as well, and they'll be playing against Ecuador next Friday. So yeah, it's a more uh, watch this space and and seeing who goes through. Yeah, interesting tournament, and it is. as we've said previously, it's a shame that there's not a full complement of the potential players to play in this tournament as there should have been, but it's still interesting nonetheless to see how these teams get on. I remember, what was it, the two times ago, the Under-20 World Cup in India that England yep. won. Correct. That was full of current Premier League stars, and uh, yeah, we'll see which of the players that take the show in this tournament. Well, uh, we can look forward to seeing them in a few years' time. Indeed, on the top on the top stage. Indeed, indeed. So, should we go to our um, teams abroad? What else are you looking forward to this weekend, Les? Hmm. Well, I already said the A League Grand Final. I already said the Europa League Final. I have a feeling you want me to say something else. Maybe Mainly not. just the final round of the remaining European leagues. <laughs> oh yes, of course. Well, yeah. Hey. Okay. You've got me there, but it's all pretty much been decided. The only thing that I would say is La Liga relegation might um, is probably the one of the most interesting one. Yeah, I believe we have a bit of a battle for Ligue relegation as well. Shame it's not involving Trois. We've already gone down, but yeah, that's the better side of this weekend. Yeah, uh, and hopefully Patrick Hughes and all that could stay in the job there. Mm. At least give him the chance to have a preseason and the correct. opportunity. Yeah, correct. While we're on French, French football, we should mention uh, congratulations to uh, Lon. Yes, Champions League. 
Did you see the uh, the post game celebrations? No, I have not. It was like they won the league, and who can blame them? Fair enough. No, fair enough. Can't blame them. I think that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. So, what were you looking forward to this weekend? What was on your mind? As, essentially, those. Just those. Just those. Okay. Last week in right. Serie A, Liga and La Liga, and the Grand Final, FA Cup Final, Europa League Final in the morning. It's a shame that it's starting to wrap uh, to you know to wind down now, but. Um, uh, what do you do? It's the time of year. But at least we've got the Women's World Cup to look forward to after that. Indeed, indeed. The league seasons may stop, but football certainly doesn't. Never does. Never does. But Because um, we have football underway across the world, Les. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Should we go to Japan first? Let's do it. Okay. Let's go to Japan. And not the Japanese peninsula or the Korean peninsula. <laughs> We're going over the Pacific Ocean. Yep. You had a geography lesson last week. <laughs> uh, I'm always open to learning new things. Every day is school day, huh? Correct. 100%. <laughs> You're never too old to learn, that's for sure. Uh, so, Kawasaki Frontale had a turn to win over Kashiwa Rasol after well, losing yeah. to a bottom side last weekend. They yeah. uh, avoided a follow-up embarrassment again. Got to be happy with that, though. Yeah. Yeah. We go back above you guys. Yes, yes. Where we belong. Visual, <laughs> <laughs> Visual Kobe and uh, Iniesta and his uh, side, they're uh, taking out FC Tokyo 3-2, which means that's like uh, a fun game. Yeah, it did. It did, having seen the highlights. So, look, it, I mean, it's uh, – so Visual Kobe uh, still in first, obviously, and we have Kawasaki Frontale on in ninth position on 21 points and uh, as my phone just went dark for a second uh, and we have FC Tokyo on 19 points so yeah just a couple of points behind just while we're on Japanese football have you seen this new badge for Gambro Osaka? I have not I'm sure it's on your phone in front of you but it's very different it's just a big G now wow that's uh, something different just a big G like the big J from Juventus yep that's the one because what they used to have, it was like black and navy stripes. Cool. Because they're owned by Panasonic, no? Is that them? Yeah, I believe so. But uh, yeah, they're stuck in the relegation spot at the moment. And uh, coming up this weekend, Kawasaki go away to Visual Kobe. So a tough match in prospect. Oh, yeah. Not very much so. Won't be easy. Who does FC Tokyo play? So FC Tokyo are playing the might of Yokohama F. Maros on Saturday at uh, 4 p.m. Sydney time. So, yeah, that, um, that looks like uh, it'll be an interesting game, nonetheless. So should we Good move tough on? games for our teams. Yeah, look, Yokohama Marinos are a great team, aren't they? Yeah. In Asia. I mean, you know, and Kev Musket is there. So um, I'll be honest, didn't fancy much, uh, didn't fancy him much as a player. <laughs> <laughs> um, because of the Millwall things. And I've seen, uh, you know, like... Um, uh, Neil Warnock actually say, you know, so there's a video of Neil Warnock going up to players from Millwall saying, "Serves you right for uh, for that um, beep uh, basket." But there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, he had too many fans. Kevin Musket, of no, to the field, no, no. But um, hey, you know, look, it's all part of the game, isn't it? It is, and everyone says he's the nicest guy now. Away he from say, the field, he does seem that way. So you know. Credit where credit is due. 
But um, shall we jump across to let's Korea? Go. Let's go across the sea of Japan to Korea. And Poang Steelers had a one 0 win over John Book. Yeah, important win there. Yeah, lifting us up into fourth place and creating a little bit of a gap down to fifth. Five points now, separating uh, Poang and uh, Dejon Citizen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But also keeping pace with your boys. Yes, and they need to FC Seoul, uh, though, did have a win on Sunday, um, city time, against uh, Gangwon FC. So that um, puts FC Seoul on second place uh, in 27 points, and Pohang Steelers just behind them on 27 points. It looks like I'll sign her off into the distance already, though. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with you there. So uh, upcoming matches, um, we've got we've got um, Gangju FC versus Pohang Steelers on Saturday, this coming Saturday, 8.30 Sydney time. And on Sunday at 8pm Sydney time, uh, Daegu FC versus FC Seoul. We should head to Vietnam, Les. Let's go to Vietnam, Nathan. So I don't know what body of water, if there is any body of water separating <laughs> Korea <laughs> from Vietnam. But hey. Depending on what route you take, I suppose. I guess, I guess. <laughs> so um, so let's go to the V-League. And Ho Chi Minh City are currently in action as we speak. And it's uh, 60 minutes gone almost, and they're up 2-0 against Da Neng. Mm. Whilst, battle at the bottom there. Yes, whilst um, I'm just trying to find your team. Uh, there we go. And Hold Monday, on. yeah, yeah, Monday. A, uh, a nil all draw against Can Hua mm-hmm. on uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, the games are coming thick and fast now, though. Oh, they are trying to make up for lost time. Correct, correct, correct. So we're yeah. next in action against Tan Hua, which is the the other club from from that part of town. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. And they're enough. coming first in the league, and they haven't lost a game yet, so uh, that's a tough ask. Mm. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And like we said, um, that uh, Hanoi City FC are currently in action right now. So there we go. Should we shoot across to Colombia? Yeah, and America to Cali are continuing their charge as they picked up a good win against Independiente Medellin, mm-hmm. and they go top of the. Of the group. Very cool. But importantly, uh, Millionaros also picked up a win. So they're on four points alongside ourselves. And lo and behold, we play each other tomorrow morning at 11.30. All right. All right. And I've got nothing much to report on the uh, Colombiana Superliga at this point. The are actually on the beach. Correct. (laughs) And it's not a bad place to be. And it's not a bad place to be. So I think we've hit the back peg, Nathan. I think we have indeed. It's been a uh, extensive chat and an enjoyable yeah, one as always. We didn't fire up about anything, but well, you know, it's a kind of end, end the season lull. You know, just uh, you know, chill, relax. You know, yeah. Big big episodes coming up, uh, hopefully soon with regards to the Women's World Cup. So, as we're working away on that at the moment, indeed, 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 sorting out some guests for our previews and ironing out the kinks for uh, how it's going to work the tournament so yes um, look forward to that yes and we'll keep you guys posted on that as things evolve so um yeah if follow us on instagram and twitter at the back peg and ourselves individually on instagram and uh want to thank everyone 
everyone for listening, uh, downloading, liking, sharing, subscribing. I uh, can't thank you guys enough. And uh, we hope that you enjoy it as much as we do putting it together. Seconded. Thanks, everyone. And we'll speak to you next week. You agreed again, Have a good one. <laughs> you agreed <Huh>? again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one all. Have a good week. Take care. <laughs>